How can you achieve and maintain business growth? Harvard Business School Executive Education is now accepting applications for a new program, Driving Profitable Growth. Taking place in Boston from October 25th through the 28th, this program focuses on business expansion and organizational growth strategies that can lead your company into the future. Learn more about this three-day program for senior leaders by visiting hbs.me growth. That's hbs.me growth. You are locked on Lakers, your daily podcast on the Los Angeles Lakers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And we're live. Welcome, everybody, to the Locked On Lakers podcast. I am Anthony Irwin. I am a happy camper. The Lakers won tonight. This was, this was, they were fun to watch. It was a completely different game uh, than we've watched over the last couple of years. Pete Zayas is with us to, to talk about the game. Pete, on a scale of one to all of the numbers, how, how much fun was that game compared to, uh, to compared to what we had to watch over the last couple of years? That was 120s for every point they scored tonight. I am so fired up. <laughs> it was it was a blast. And then Harrison, you're also with us. Harrison, uh, say hi to everybody. Thanks for that wonderful intro, Harrison. You're also with us. <laughs> <laughs> you're also here, so I guess I'll introduce you. That's fine. <laughs> so uh, this is a this is a live video right now. But as always, we're going to pull the video down and then upload it to our podcast stream, which you can find on Audio Boom, iTunes, Silver Screen and Roll, TuneIn, Stitcher, and today's Fast Break. Today's show is brought to you by SeatGeek. Make sure you're using the promo code LOLakers to get your $10 rebate on your first purchase using the application. Again, that is SeatGeek. It's a $20 rebate, but great live read. What did I say? You said 10. It's okay. We're, we're doubling the discount just for this show. Yeah. There, that's a nice uh, save, right? Kind of, sort of. <laughs> All right. Uh, we just So basically, the way this is going to work we find topics that, that we wanted to talk about during the game. We'll see where those top topics take us. And uh, this is going to be something that we try to do after every single game. And then it'll be uploaded in the morning uh, to the podcast stream. Let's go ahead and get started. Pete, I thought the conversation uh, regarding tonight's game kind of – it, it went two different directions. You could either say that Jordan Clarkson had the biggest impact, uh, especially in the second half, or Luke just in general. I wanted to start with Clarkson because I tend to put, lean towards players in this in this a- aspect. Jordan Clarkson in that second half, I thought won the Lakers the, the game. Is that is that an oversimplification? No, no, it's pretty fair to say. You know, he only played six minutes in the first half, which that was something that was really jumping off of the box score for me when I saw that. And you know that. Uh, that needs to be the last time he plays six minutes and a half for a very long time. He's too good of a player um, mm-hmm. for that to happen. But I think it says a lot about him. You know, not only it's, – it's kind of a continuation of being able to go to the bench and continue to do his job and play hard and then get six minutes in a first half and just be like, hey, when I get out there, I'm going to kill it. And that's what he did. You know, they uh, – this game was really interesting. They, it was really wide open, and the Lakers didn't run a lot of set plays. 
And in the second half, it got a little bit more stagnant than it was the first half. And Clarkson hit a lot of those, you know, seven seconds left on the shot clock and not a whole lot going on. And he takes a 28 footer, knocks it down type of shots, you know, and or able to get penetration and, and draw free throws. He was just absolutely amazing. Yeah, I, I completely agree. Lakers Twitter, I would say, was having a bit of a meltdown at halftime, you know, talking <laughs> talking about the, the number of minutes. Harrison, how worried were you after that first half with the uh, Jordan Clarkson conversation that was going on? I wouldn't really say that I was worried because I didn't think that he was playing super well in the first half. And to be honest, I didn't notice the raw minute count. So I think that that kind of says as much as anything about how he was when he was out there in the first half. But obviously, he was really good in the second half. You guys kind of touched on it. I think more important for me, given that this is the Lakers and that they no longer have the clutchest player in history and Kobe Bryant, that, uh, you know, how good he was down the stretch. And I'm being sarcastic on the clutch <laughs> thing. But uh, <laughs> I should have paused for laughter. That was my bad. So, like, the last 30 seconds, Jordan Clarkson had a three-pointer, a putback, a steal, and then uh, Julius Randle ended up finishing things off with a basket. But he was really good down the stretch of that entire fourth quarter, uh, uh, even earlier in the fourth quarter when the offense was kind of running through him. And, yeah, I was just blown away with Clarkson tonight. I, I think he really made as strong of an argument as he could have made that it should be him out there in the starting lineup. I guess the other argument he could make is just holding up Nick Young's box score. But, <laughs> you know, between I, those two things, I, I think he made a pretty good case. My, my issue, so basically, I don't care who starts and whatever. It's just title, right? And, and younger players, and at night, I, I guess I wouldn't go that far. I wouldn't say that just younger players care more about title than anybody because you have veterans who care 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 greatly about that as well but uh i i i was of the opinion that i didn't care who started or who came in whenever just so long as the guys who should get minutes did get them and that was the concern in that first half that the guy who should be getting the minutes jordan clarkson who you can make the argument i would say in terms of all facets of the game i would actually say that that clarkson has the is the is the most well-rounded player of all of them. I think Russell offers more offensively. I think Mozgov and Deng offer more defensively. But in terms of, you know, both sides of the court impacting the game, it has to be Jordan Clarkson. And uh, Pete, is is that – would you agree there? Or, or, or if – and if you do agree or if you disagree, it doesn't – you know, I, don't, I wouldn't say it doesn't matter because I'd ask you that first. But <laughs> – but, uh, with with Jordan Clarkson's minutes, I was I was a little concerned not just with the minutes but with the usage as well. In the first half, he was just kind of a a second thought out there. Yeah, he you know he had a couple of turnovers in the first half in that six minute stretch. But you're right in in especially in those second unit lineups, you know in in a in a fast breaking type of game, you know he he can get a bit lost out there. Lou Williams can dominate a couple of possessions and draw and, and Williams played fine tonight. You know, he drew free throws, at least on the offensive end. Um, and, but he didn't really have enough time to really get into the flow of anything. He had a couple of bad turnovers and that was about it. Uh, but that, that second half, yeah, that that's more like what we need to see out of him. It was also interesting in the first Kobe list game, seeing down the stretch, the Lakers were a lot more unpredictable 
um, in terms of who was going to get the ball, who was going to get the shot. Uh, Clarkson certainly dominated down the stretch, but in terms of who had the ball, that was shared between him, Randall, and Russell. Uh, in terms of him being the best, I guess, all-around player, I, I think the way I would frame that would say that would be saying that he has the best weaknesses, meaning that in the areas where he's weak, he's not as weak as uh, say Russell can be on the defensive end or Randall is with his jump shot. I, I still think that the best overall player on the team is Russell, but uh, Clarkson is certainly made a, a heck of a case for himself tonight. Right. Harrison, while, while Clarkson was out there, or I guess the way I'll frame the question is this. The, the Lakers have a bunch of guys in their, you know, I would say best or, or their youngest unit who, who need the ball, right? Where you have D'Angelo Russell needs the ball. Jordan Clarkson needs the ball. Julius Randle needs the ball. That makes it really tough to design an offense. But that unit gives the Lakers their highest ceiling, right? So as the year goes on, you have to think that they'll figure out ways to get all of those guys involved consistently so that ceiling keeps boosting up. Well, and then that's the the thing about that too is that that's the you just named off the majority of the Lakers' young assets, mm-hmm. and so if those guys can't really figure out a way to all be effective together, then the Lakers have a pretty big problem on their hands. So I think that they'll start to figure it out. I think I was really encouraged by especially Randall's kind of playmaking tonight. He continued kind of the role that he was on throughout the preseason. And so I I think that they're going to find ways to share the ball and be a little bit more effective that way. So uh, again, I think it's going to be a work in progress, but obviously, you know, it, it was pretty promising tonight. Yeah, definitely in the second half. All right, so before we move on to talk about Luke, and we'll talk about him here in a second, uh, we do want to give a quick shout-out to our sponsor of this episode, SeatGeek, uh, the best and easiest way to buy tickets online. It's a great mobile application. You don't have to print out tickets. It's nice. you just on your way to the arena, especially if you're not driving. It's only if you're not driving. Don't buy tickets while you're driving. Uh, you can buy the tickets. You can show up to the arena. You can walk in, and if you use the promo code, L.O. Lakers, you get a $20 rebate after your first purchase. Uh, I and a bunch of my friends just used it this past weekend. We went and saw the uh, the Ducks play their their opener, home opener, and they, uh, they won that one. For those of you who uh, went to the game tonight, I would hope that you utilized it, uh, utilize the promo code there. There are 40 other games that you could potentially go to to, to catch the Lakers, Harrison. What's your favorite uh, aspect of, of the application? You always go to me for this, and I'm going to keep saying it. It's the mm-hmm. it's the price alerts. I, I can set what I'm willing to pay for a game or a sporting event or a theater or a concert or whatever it may be that you want to buy on SeatGeek, and I could say this is what I'm willing to pay, and then it will alert me if and when it reaches that tickets reach that price. And so that's something that's great for me. I would I'm looking right now to buy some tickets to an upcoming game for my little brother's birthday. And so that that's a feature that I'm use, utilizing right now. I set my alerts today. So it, it's just, it's a great mobile application. It's really handy. Like you said, you can just bring your phone with you to the game. You don't have to worry about printing up and then losing tickets like they're an interview with Kobe Carl or something. <laughs> and it, it's just, it's a wonderful application. And I can't say enough about SeatGeek. They've supported us from the beginning and you guys should support them like they've supported us. Absolutely. All right. So let's go ahead and get back to the conversation here. Uh, again, before we do move on, make sure you're using the promo code LO Lakers, $20 rebeat. That's SeatGeek and it's seatgeek.com. Uh, 
as well. Let's go ahead and move on, though. Luke Walton. Yeah, so, Pete, I wanted to ask you really quickly after this game, Luke Walton, greatest coach in <laughs> Lakers history or greatest coach in NBA, NBA history? history? Yeah, I was finishing your sentences there, Harrison. Yeah, and, yeah, absolutely the second one. I, I, okay. I feel like we're limiting ourselves, though. It, it, it's not just you know NBA. We're talking football. We're talking hockey, <laughs> croquet. I don't know if there are tennis coaches out there. Luke needs to be mentioned among all these life guys. coaches. He's a better than a life coach. <laughs> uh, all right. So what was what was the number one thing, Pete? You watched this from a coach's perspective, right? You do these breakdowns from a coach's perspective. What was the number one thing that jumped off the screen at you while you were watching the game that you wouldn't have noticed or you wouldn't have seen last year under the last coach? 43 points in the second half. And how they did that was they were switching in the first half, but um, one of the sideline reporters correctly mentioned that they were giving guys too much space. In the second half, they were switching everything uh, and chasing guys like Ryan Anderson and Eric Gordon off of the three-point line. Um, and, and there were a couple times where Ryan Anderson would knock down a tough shot, but it'd be a long two off of the dribble. Over the course of time, you're going to live with that. And that's, uh, that's going to limit a guy like Harden's assists, for example. I think he had 14 in the first half, something crazy like that. They also – and they, got, they burned him with it a couple of times, but Houston ran some side pick and roll action where they would clear out a side. And that's when you kept seeing those lobs for Capella uh, – those dunks and they really cut down on on that by uh having better rotations and by icing more side pick and roll um so that 43 points you know that was such a change i think they had 71 in the first half or something along those lines and the ability for the lakers to lock down and a, a guy who's a huge key for that is julius randall he had a he's got those great feet and he was switched out onto Harden. There was one position that stands out toward the uh, end of the fourth quarter where he was switched onto him and ended up getting a block shot because he was able to stay with him just enough and got a, a swat at the rim on Harden. And that really uses Randall's talents most effectively. And if guys like Harden or like, uh, like Russell and Clarkson can hold their own against the bigger guys, especially shoot more shooters than post-up players like Anderson and Capello that can really shut down um, a team like Houston's uh, offensive scheme. It, it also struck me the second half, the opening of the second half, they, they came out on at least a five Oh run. It might've been more, yeah. but I know, I know Houston, I think called a timeout after a five Oh run started. And, uh, and it was, it was, there was a great set to start. The, the defense was really active to start that second half. And we had, I mean, last year it was first quarters were disasters and third quarters were disasters. And yeah. to me, I don't think there's any clearer statement of a coach's ability to, to get their team ready than those two quarters, because that's immediately after you talk to your team. Right. right? And, and tonight uh, I thought the Lakers started the game pretty well. I, I, I guess I wouldn't, they gave up 14 points basically before you could blink. <laughs> and then they kind of got their feet under them and they got back into the game. But in the third quarter, they, they dominated the third quarter, the first few minutes of the third quarter, and that was huge. If they, if they don't do that and, and Houston takes a, a double-digit or a 15-ish you know, point lead, mm -hmm. I don't think they climb back into it. Harrison, have we gotten any quotes? Because this is the other place that I think we're going to see a very noticeable difference between last year and this year. 
Well, yeah, well, we have Walton talking about the offense, and he says the reason the offense is clicking right now is the players' willingness to share the ball. So that's something that, you know, we didn't hear a whole lot of last year, mainly because the Lakers weren't sharing the ball. So whose fault that was or where the fault for that lies, I guess we can kind of leave up to the listener uh, what they think. But there seems to be kind of a couple major differences between this year and last year. So, but yeah, we'll just, we'll let that one hang there. Uh, Go ahead. And then. Go ahead, Pete. No, no, sorry, sorry. I'm chomping at the bit, man. I'm so fired up. Go ahead, Harrison. Oh, okay. Luke Walton was, uh, he was jokingly asked if it, well, I would assume jokingly, if he'll give a word of encouragement to Steve Kerr. And he said, no, he'll be just fine. (laughs) (laughs) And the the quotes, the quotes, I think, they'll they'll keep on coming in. Uh, Here's the thing. After a game like this last year, the last coach would definitely, definitely take every opportunity to say, well, you know, I put a game plan in there and, and the guys manned up as, as I would hope they would because I coached them. to, And it would have been compliment after compliment after compliment directed at, his, as, at himself, right? And Running a new system with Marcelo Huertas. <laughs> <laughs> and, and tonight, uh, you, could, you could even see it as they were heading into timeouts and stuff. There was no showing up players. There was no posturing on the sidelines. There was, it was just positivity that you could see going on there on the sidelines whenever the, the clips would, or the, the camera would pan over there. And, and yeah, I think with a young team like this, and this is what was frustrating last year, we didn't see that last year. We, we didn't see the positivity. And, and, and if we, if the Lakers would have gone into halftime last year, down seven ish or whatever points they were down, you kind of sit there and say, oh, man, this probably isn't going to go very well. Tonight, though, they, they came back, and, and you felt like they, they could get right back into it. Uh, Pete, did you notice that kind of vibe? Yeah, for sure. I, it's it's two parts. You know, obviously the positivity that's surrounding the team is, you know, just a night and day difference from last season. But I also think that Luke is selling himself short. He has put them in a position to share the ball with each other and not just in a existential or environmental sense where everybody's happy. So they're more willing to pass the ball. The floor is properly spaced. He's letting them run out and transition and run quick hitter plays where they space the floor. It's one quick little action. And then an open shot goes up. You know, if guys did that last year, they'd get pulled for trying to take over the game, quote unquote. Right. You know, Mm -hmm. and, and he, let them have the freedom to take a shot, a three-pointer with 18 seconds left on the shot clock if it's an open shot, you know? So that's going, that naturally encourages guys to run the floor, to share the ball. And so when Luke says, oh, you know, this is working because they're sharing the ball, he's being way too humble in saying that. They're sharing the ball because he's putting them in the position to do so. Absolutely. And and one play in particular sticks out to me and it happened a couple times tonight, but uh, you'd hit, you, you'd get the, the, the pick and roll at the top there and Mozgov would be involved in that pick and roll. And I think the Lakers wound up grabbing the vine of this and, and actually tweeted out a vine. Uh, they, it was, it was a pass down to Randall then who was, who was going baseline uh, to get there to the dunk, I, I that you you know which play I'm talking about, right? Yeah, yeah it was it was Russell, I believe, ran a pick and roll with Mozgov, hit Mozgov in the lane, and then Mozgov found Russell or Randall on that kind of Kufis cut along the baseline, and he got a dunk. Mm-hmm. Is that the one you're talking about? Yep, right. And and that's I think that's what sticks out to me, uh, Pete, when you're talking about putting guys in position 
to succeed and to facilitate like that, right? Harrison, yeah. what did you, was there anything that you noticed from the coaching side or from, from the atmosphere surrounding the team that we just didn't see last year? I mean, I think you guys hit a lot of the stuff that we didn't see last year. One thing that I did think was interesting that we did see a lot of last year was Luke waited a long time to bring Russell back. And you can kind of see the uh, PTSD in Laker fans right now or uh, or PBSD, I guess I would say. And so they, I had a couple people tweet at me wondering why Russell was not back in the game yet. They were they were very, very worried about this, that it was uh, it, this was going to be a whole nother year of it. But sure enough, Russell came right back in the game with a, around five minutes left. And, you know, he, he wasn't the one that ended up leading the Lakers to victory. But I think it was important that he was out there. Absolutely. Yeah, it, there were a few moments where while the game was going on, it was, hey, why, why, when are we going to see Brandon? Where, when are we going to see Ingram? When are we going to see Clarkson? What are we, what, what's so, they're so worried yeah. about the young guys right now. Everyone <laughs> is, and I, I get it. it it's, it's just funny. But, but to, to, again, to the contrast being that at no point was I ever really that worried about it. Even while the Clarkson stuff was going on in the first half, I still felt to myself, you know what? I trust this guy. At the end of the day, I trust that Clarkson is going to get in there and he's going to be able to make the impact that we know he's capable of. And lo and behold, there he was. Uh, I, I wanted uh, Originally, I brought up that play involving Mozgov to Randall on the baseline as a segue to talk about Mozgov. So we'll do this a lot more awkwardly. Uh, <laughs> Harrison, uh, Mozgov thoroughly impressed and and there was a whole bunch of hey look at all those guys you know everybody who criticized the contract the contract's still stupid no but- there yeah no 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 hold on everyone <laughs> everyone was wrong that criticized the Mozgov contract he played a good game for the Lakers now so every single person that had any complaints with the Mozgov contract just look at the scoreboard sorry Lakers undefeated <laughs> uh, but but what we saw from Mozgov talk about some of the differences or some of the things that we would that that Mozgov does really well that Laker fans are going to enjoy as the year goes along. Well, I think you talked about it a little bit. He set really solid screens. I thought he acquitted himself relatively well defensively. There was that moment in the second quarter when he was finally worn out, and he finally like even the broadcast made note of it that well he had just asked for a sub. So you know he he's not he's not infatigable, but he he I thought he played really well while he was out there. You mentioned the screening, and I think that that can create a lot of things. It's not just the pick and rolls with Russell, but he can screen for other guys to spring them open for shots and things like that. And it's just a lot of the little things. He had a couple really good putbacks in the first half, and it's not just like putback dunks. He can if he catches the ball in traffic, he has a couple little kind of hook flip shots that he can get to go in if he if he swarmed so i i think we saw kind of all of the good stuff from mozgov but what i thought was really interesting was that the lakers didn't close with him and so it kind of shows the pluses and minuses of him all in one game where he played really well he was definitely part of the reason they were in it to start with but then luke still felt more comfortable closing with a small lineup which i thought was kind of uh you know it was the give and take of the whole Right. Pete, what I noticed the most with Mozgov, especially after going through the Roy Hibbert experience, was <laughs> he's really balanced. Mm-hmm. Like he, watching Hibbert last year, it was only a matter of time. If he got moving just a little too quickly, he was going to wind up on his face. 
But with with Mozgov today, he would catch the ball, and what I really appreciated was he would catch the ball, and there was just a half a second hesitation to put his head up, figure out where everybody else is around him, and then make his decision. Did did you notice the same kind of thing? And uh, if he is able to play like this, what are the chances you think that everybody who did you know knock that contract starts to eat a little bit of crow? Well, first off, I, I love your observation about being on balance. I, I'm of the opinion that that is the most important underlying uh, trait that a player can have that can affect so many facets of his game. If, if I had to choose one thing out of a player, it would be to uh, be on balance at most times, and you're absolutely right about him uh, doing that. And his ability to catch in traffic, and a lot of big guys will get, uh, will get stripped you know, when they bring the ball down low, he's very calm. He's almost, he's slow, but in a, in a calm sort of way, yeah, right? It's methodical. It, it, very methodical, very under control. Um, mm-hmm. And he also brings something that the, there's nobody else on the roster save for, you know, Zubats in maybe three years that he's a really big dude. If you've ever seen him in person, yes. he is a big <laughs> dude, even by NBA player standards. And, you know, Harrison touched on it a bit, but they don't really have, since they don't really have anybody else on the roster that can do that, it gives them another element, another aspect. Uh, for for example, against a guy like Clint Capella, Capella just doesn't have enough in his back pocket. And that's why you see Mozgov getting catches three feet from the hoop, aside from his ability to roll and all that, but putbacks, things like that. It's just little lower body contact that sends a guy that's 30 pounds lighter flying in another direction you know so his ability to do that uh he is underrated at running the floor he does not hurt your transition game on either end of things uh yeah he's gonna need a sub in when you see a game like this but he's another proverbial arrow in the quiver that the lakers can go to where he might might not have closed the game tonight um and it was also because that lineup was playing really well right you know Mm -hmm. go with the the hot hands but uh, he's going to provide a different look that nobody else on the team can. Absolutely. I, I, there was a lot to like from this game. And I thought, you know, other than like if Clarkson doesn't play that second half, then we're looking at this game differently because I think they lose. But if, if, if Clarkson doesn't play the way he does in the second half, Mozgov is the first, first player that we're talking about because I was, I was really impressed uh, with what he brought. The next guy that that I wanted to mention, though, was was Brandon Ingram, and and while I don't think the stats are gonna you know jump off the page to you, I'm looking at the box score right now. He finishes with you know nine points, three rebounds, uh, and that's about it. Yeah, nine points and three rebounds, but he finishes with a plus ten uh, in the plus minus department. And yes, that is a semi flawed stat because of what el- whatever else might be going on on the court. Uh, that's always a caveat there, but Pete, I thought I was I, I was I was incredibly impressed with his. I wouldn't say it just his calm demeanor out there on the court. He did he wasn't forcing things. Yeah, he and I don't know if if I'll be able to convey this in the way that I want to, but he looked like a professional basketball player. Absolutely, which you can't always say that about the younger players, right? Like I I, I can't think of anything that he did wrong out there. You know, he 
tripped up in transition and had a, a turnover, you know, that's, that's going to happen as a coach, a coach isn't going to get mad at things like that, but he didn't blow his rotations. He took the shots he needed to take. He set the screens he needed to set. He made it the pat made the passes he needed to make. He was a pro out there. And to say that about a, a young 19 year old is, is really impressive. Absolutely. Harrison, what, what did you notice from, from Brandon? I thought his defense was really good. Yeah, his defense was good. I, I think the way that he was scoring was good. He was definitely utilizing his length pretty well, which is kind of, uh, I mean, that's the best that we're going to see from him this year because he's not going to be out muscling guys. And it, But I think the promising thing was that at least to me, it didn't look like he was getting kind of physically abused out there, at least when I was watching and not tweeting or writing or whatever it was. But I, I thought I thought he played pretty well tonight. I thought he played a little bit better in the first half than the second half. But yeah, overall, I was pretty impressed with him. I thought it was a pretty good NBA debut. He he came out and I think he hit what like his first two shots. Mm -hmm. So it was a it was a strong night for him, I think. And then after the game, he was saying that he said, "quote When I got to the point guard position, I knew I could make plays for myself and my teammates." End quote. And I actually, I think that that's kind of been one of the most interesting things that Walton has done has been to use him at the point guard position. That wasn't necessarily something I really expected heading into the summer. It's actually kind of counterintuitive to what most of us, how most of us, I think, thought he was going to be used, which is like, go ahead, which was like very like low usage. And he ended up, you, you, Luke has kind of taken the opposite strategy and put him on the ball more to get him more involved and more comfortable that way, rather than just having him sit back and kind of float around. Which is an interesting strategy because of, for, for this line of thinking, with all these guys in the NBA, especially guys who were drafted up at the very top, they spent the vast majority of their young careers playing in, in, in AAU and dominating the ball, right? So mm -hmm. when you would think, you think to yourself, we'll just make things really, really easy on these guys when they get to the NBA. Just go stand over there, and when you catch the ball, make sure you do something with the ball. But that goes completely counterintuitively to, to how they, they think about the game before that, right? Pete, do you think this is something that we might see catch on in the NBA? Because you're looking across the league, before Ben Simmons got hurt, he was going to be the highest usage rate almost in the league. You could have seen that happening, right? So, are you? Do you mean as far as his Ingram uh, deferential nature going to? No, I, I would mean I would mean it from from more of the standpoint of historically speaking, when a rookie gets into the league, the the thought is we're going to make the game as easy as uh, as we can on that guy by just not having that guy have the ball all that much, by not making yeah. that guy make decisions all that much. I see what you're saying, yeah. But for, but for all these guys in AAU, that's not how they played for all of their lives, right? So I wonder if this is something that might pick up as, as a trend moving forward. Well, I, th I think it's going to be a, a mix of the two. I think in the case of a guy like Ingram, he's unusual in that he – he can be deferential and he's not necessarily a guy who's going to dominate the ball as much as other top picks do. Um, and what's unusual about him is a lot of the smaller things, the screen setting, the uh, defensive end of the court are things that those top guys usually have to, uh, they, they usually have to be taught and he already has that. So I, I, I love how Luke puts him on the ball and uh, you know, kind of forces him to be engaged in a way where he can, you know, otherwise float around Simmons. I, you know, I think Simmons is a, a special talent 
on the ball. Um, and and I, I don't necessarily think he's uh, replicable in other uh, in other guys all that much. That's that's a really good point. That that yeah, he comes into the league. I mean, but I, I would say like Randall is is somebody who I would bring up as he's more comfortable when he has the ball in his hands. And you watched him tonight, and he played really well. And I thought. You know, like his defense was something that people were, were concerned about, right? Because of the the the, the alligator arms mm-hmm. and T Rex arms. I think I think oh, people were saying was it T Rex or alligator? It's a T Rexigator, uh, whatever it is. <laughs> <laughs> but but uh, the 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 what I noticed out there tonight was when he was involved on offense. And this is how it's going to be with all young players. He would get back and play on defense, and what you're looking for is. Is there a drop off in in effort defensively when he isn't as involved uh, offensively? Pete, I didn't notice that at all. I didn't. I, I I thought he was really good defensively. He had a couple bonehead. He had the one dumb foul on Harden on the three pointer at the end of I think it was the first half or at the end of a quarter, the first quarter. Uh, but other than that, I thought he was really active out there. Just in general. In, in a game that we saw Clarkson change the game completely, we saw Mozgov play really well, but I thought Mozgov, or, or Randall was, was right there with those guys. Yeah, you know, with, with apologies to, to Clarkson, my game ball would actually go to Randall in this huh. game. I, I think that um, he, I, I think he probably had the ball in his hands more than any other player uh, on the Lakers in this game. And this was a tailor-made game from him. For him, he's so good in transition, and he—I uh, don't think I saw any plays where he ran anyone over. He's very consciously looking in transition to find shooters, and that allows guys. Even even in a game where Nick Young doesn't shoot that well, Nick Young got a lot of good shots because of Julius Randle, and I think that could be said about a lot of guys. Russell got a couple of really good looks, and I think it allows the whole team to. When Randall gets a rebound, everyone just fills a lane and gets up court as quickly as possible. There's no point guard go back to the, get the basketball or anything like that. Then on the defensive end, in the first half, I actually thought he had a, a fairly poor defensive effort. Um, he was one of the guilty parties in terms of like, you know giving Ryan Anderson too much space, for example, or mm-hmm. uh, not hedging on a pick and roll. In the second half, I thought he did a really – fantastic job and again his ability to switch on a guy like Harden is just uh similar to Mozgov there's nobody else on the team that that can do that from that position so I think the totality of his contribution was actually I I'd give him the game ball in this game that's that's interesting I would not have thought of Randall for the game ball but when you when you make the argument you know based on the amount of time he spent on the ball that gets pretty hard to uh refute Harrison would you follow would you would you go with Randall as the game ball well yeah I mean that's why just to give people a little bit of insight into how the sausage is made before the show we were talking about who we wanted to talk about and when you brought up is there anyone else Pete said Randall and I like I almost stepped on him vocally and just blurting <laughs> out I, yeah we definitely have to talk about Randall because you know Pete I think you hit all the main, the main points but just the biggest thing to me for him was that switching that you mentioned down the stretch that he was able to capably stay either in front of or at least affect the shot of James Harden down the stretch at times. And he even had, I think, that block towards the end of the game that basically, like, saved it for the Lakers. So, I mean, couldn't have been more impressed with Julius Randle and couldn't be more excited to tell Andy to take his trash opinions back to a gondola in Las Vegas. (laughs) 
<laughs> Although, to be fair, the, the little uh, word to the wise, this is, was a really unusual game in terms of these were two teams that wanted to play the exact same way. And that way, both both teams fit Randall's style. Also against other bigs, like a guy like Ryan Anderson cannot physically stay with Julius Randall, right? And the other guys he was matched up with were either uh, either too small or too slow. Against a team like Utah, which is the next game, it's probably a more half-court type of uh, uh, type of game, and we may be in for perhaps a different Julius Randall experience. So he gets the game ball with a uh, uh, with a. Let's see what else you got. Hey, uh, Pete, don't 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 come on my podcast and rain on my parade, please. <laughs> I feel like I rained on both of your parades, which I think that makes me a good guest. I, I don't know. it's good it's good to keep people humble because yeah i I, i'm sitting here thinking they're going to go 82 and 0 and that the warriors are some tremendous flop but uh all right so this is this is another thing that that kind of sticks out to me because in years past anytime we talk about the lakers it was always about one guy right it was always about kobe and before him it was it was always about either kobe or shaq then before him or before those guys, it was always about magic, right? It was always about the one dude. I and thought the Nick Van Exel stand in you was going to say him before you got to magic. <laughs> I considered it. I can't lie. But what sticks out to me with this with this group here was that I would say in terms of you know the rest of the roster and in terms of narrative and, and in terms of general interest with the Lakers, I think it it's D'Angelo Russell is the guy who kind of gets people's, you know, ears to perk up or, or, you know, drives the hottest takes or whatever. We are now all the way through the show here, and he hasn't been mentioned in a big opening night win. And it's not like he played all that poorly. You know, he did some things. He had a couple really, really, like, astronomically stupid turnovers down the stretch, <laughs> right? But but he's he's 20, you know. But, you know, he finishes the game with 20 points. He finishes with three assists. He he shoots the ball pretty well at seven of sixteen, four of ten from three. Uh, he has the three turnovers. But what I the direction I'm taking this is, this is how it's going to be with this Laker team. Is that on any given night, because of how you know spread out the talent level is on this team, on any given night, it could be anybody who earns that ball. Whereas. It's pretty much it was the Kobe Bryant award. Anybody who got the best who got the best player of the game. Right. It was like if Kobe didn't get it, it was because somebody did something insane, and it makes this team a lot more interesting. You know, I'm I'm old enough to remember the Cedric Sabalos, Van Exel, Eddie Jones teams very well, and mm-hmm. they're they're similar in that respect, right? Where you know you didn't know who the hero was going to be. Uh, they had solid players at every position and solid depth. Um, they didn't quite have enough to you know make noise deep into the playoffs, but that was easily my favorite non-title team era. You know, and this team reminds me a lot of that. I also think that it says a lot about D'Angelo Russell of the performances that he's been putting up fairly consistently where a 20-point night is kind of like, yeah, you know, we expected that. You know, like, it's okay. You know? Yeah. <laughs> uh, and he did that without really dominating the ball too much. He, I think he led the team in, in field goal attempts, but a lot of those were st- spot-up attempts off of the shot creation of others. And I think the uh, that attribute of being able to produce without having the ball in your hands, uh, 
for a good portion of the shot clock. I think that has value in and of itself and provides opportunities for teammates to be able to thrive. And so, uh, yeah, you know, it, it, that, that's what makes this team really fun, though, even to, to cover is it's going to be a different story every night. I know the videos that I make, there's going to be a different guy leading it from one night to the next. And that's just I, – I, I can't tell you how, how excited I am about this team. Right. I, it was funny to me. I started playing – I wouldn't say a drinking game because I had to come on the air right afterward. But I started kind of noticing a trend on Twitter. Start to this, to this whole tangent. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I started noticing the national guys where it was – I would say every single national guy that I followed at some point tonight said – Hey, the Lakers aren't going to be good, but they're going to be fun, you know. And you can go through everybody's timeline right now, and you can and and I can guarantee you, just about everybody who watched that game tonight thought it at some point that who aren't who weren't Laker fans because Laker fans tonight were just thinking to themselves, "Oh my god, oh my god, oh my god, oh my god, oh my god." But but with with people who aren't necessarily Laker fans, there was a lot of yeah. This, this group could be fun, and, and that's kind of all we wanted to see. I thought, I thought tonight could pretty well encapsulate how the rest of this year is going to go. Some nights are going to lose. More often than not, they're going to lose, but it's going to be a fun the entire way through, and, and that, that's where we have ourselves right now. Let's go ahead and, and wrap up the show then well uh, you actually kind of seamlessly transitioned to the show wrap up perfect. i mean the, the the fun stuff is you know it's not just fun on the court it's fun off the court yeah, it's fun little like personality quirks and things like that like you have russell early in the game yelling out this is my bleeping house and mark jackson kind of putting him on blast on the air for that i thought was kind of funny <laughs> generally they don't acknowledge that the players know any curse words but um <laughs> I, I thought that was it that was good uh you know they had the james harden heckler i hope he becomes a part of the young core and they just start bringing him to every game and you know he can just heckle the other players be- the other team's best player that was a lot of fun we just got to keep up spike with- lee just seat that guy courtside every single game like near a hot mic and just have him yell out trash talk at the other team's best player. (laughs) (laughs) And then after the game, I guess as Jordan Clarkson was walking out of the locker room, he was repeatedly yelling, Nick is about to be the defensive player of the year. So Anthony, I know we don't have our prop bets in for bet DSI for the, you know, awards bets, but Jordan Clarkson just put in a submission. So I think we're going to be able to beat him on that one, but we'll see how well Nick ends up playing. I thought he was pretty solid on defense tonight. And, uh, the, and odds then, on, the odds on that would have to be somewhere near like a thousand to one. Yeah. A, a thousand trillion. And so, <laughs> uh, and then Luke Walton, just to kind of wrap things up, Luke Walton, I guess, jokingly br- blamed Brian Shaw for not finding minutes for Thomas Robinson. Eric Pincus said, uh, I guess, he wanted Thomas Robinson in the game, but Luke Walton threw Brian Shaw under the bus for that one. So Brian Shaw is going to have to come up with like a strong freestyle rap to apologize to Thomas Robinson for that one, or like read a <laughs> book on how to apologize oh, to millennials. <laughs> uh, all right. So that does it for this first, uh, th- this very first episode in, in the regular season, the Lakers wind up winning tonight, 120 to 114 over the Houston Rockets and lead the Pacific division. <laughs> or Let's all pour one out for the Warriors that are just the new 2011-12 Lakers. 
they uh they they are basically going to go undefeated uh pete thank you very much for for coming on with us we 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 greatly appreciate it it's always a lot of fun to have the insight coming that 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 you bring to the table i had a blast guys go lakers absolutely all right so today again today's show is brought to you by seed geek make sure you're using the promo code lo lakers to get your 20 dollar rebate uh, on on seed geek with your first purchase using uh using the application uh, as always, you can find this and all of our other shows on Audio Boom, iTunes, Silver Screen and Roll, TuneIn, Stitcher, and today's Fast Break. And we will talk to everybody again tomorrow. Have a good one, everybody. All right. Thanks, Anthony. Shout to Eddie Jones. Is that the new iPhone? Yeah, got it on T-Mobile. Fastest iPhone deserves America's fastest LTE network. Introducing the amazing iPhone 8. It's the best iPhone yet, now on America's best unlimited network. For a limited time, save up to $300 on the amazing iPhone 8 after 24 monthly bill credits. And now join T-Mobile's iPhone upgrade program for free. Eligible trade-in and finance agreement required. If you cancel service, you may lose promo credits. Contact us for details. Video at 480p. Small fraction of users over 50 gigs per month may have reduced speed. See store for details.